By this time, we're getting ready to pray for our tithes and offerings. And I don't know about you, but man, there's a lot of things happening in the world just recently and in our community. And you know, a lot of times we can get we can get swayed by it. But what's so amazing is that although there's things happening in the world, there's still great things happening because our God is greater than anything in the world. And his heart is really to reach people far from him. And as we give unto the Lord, that's what happens. We get to partner with God to reach people far from him. Because listen, this world is filled with people that they don't know hope. They don't know love. But when they recognize that and experience the love of Jesus and all that God has for them, it changes lives. So would you join me as we pray for the tithes and offerings this morning? Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord. And Lord, first of all, we're so, we want to just say thank you so much, Lord, for being a great God. That Lord, no one can outdo you. And so Lord, as we pray for our tithes and offerings, Lord, we do so knowing that as we give unto you, Lord, you take it and you multiply it so that more and more people would come to experience all that you have for them, but more importantly, experience you. This world needs you, Lord. Our community needs you. And what a joy it is that we get to partner with you, reaching those far from you. Lord, I pray that you bless the hearts of those who give and let them know that right now they're partnering with you to do exactly what you want to do into reaching those people to bring hope, to bring faith, and to bring love that can only be found in you to others. So Lord, we look forward to what you're going to continue to do in the lives of your people. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said, amen. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Well, today we, not only are we going to hear from a wonderful friend of mine, more importantly, God's going to use him in a powerful way. Uh, his name is Patrick McFall. He is the lead pastor at New Hope in Hawaii Kai on Oahu. And he is married to his wonderful wife, Tara. And they have three wonderful children. They've been married for about 15 years. But more than just who he is and being a former youth pastor, former young adults pastor, equipping pastor, God has used him in so many different ways. And he's bringing such a timely word for all of us in our world today, but also for us as a church. So would you welcome with me Pastor Patrick McFall as he comes and shares the Word of God. Today. All, right, all right. Thanks so much, Pastor Sheldon. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Sheldon. Come on, Patrick. Let's love it. Woo! Hey, I love it. This is my favorite table. It is the height-appropriate table for me. Man, those tall guys doing analysis, man. It was like down to their waist. It was up to my chest. That's for real. That's real. That's like real facts. Uh, my name is Pat McFall. I, yeah, I pastor New Hope Hawaii Kai um, out on the east side of Oahu. Uh, I just wanted to show you a quick picture about just my family. We've been on island for about 10 years. This is my wife, Tara. Um, I found a Mexican girl that I was taller than, and I immediately married her. So, uh, and, you know, so <laughs> I, we're from this city called Salinas, California, us capital of the world. I know, it's a big deal. Calm down. All right. And, and I just, I met a guy from your church that is from Salinas. Dude, we started yelling at each other in Spanish, and Pastor Sheldon was like, I don't know what's going on. And I was like, that's good, because I didn't know what was going on when I moved to Hawaii and was listening to people talk pigeon all the time. I didn't know what was happening. Look, so Tara is right there. Then we got my son, Jaden. He's 12. He uh, is, we're, we're praying Jaden breaks the 5'4 barrier, okay? It's close. It's going to happen, yeah? We got Mia, who's uh, just 13 months from Jane. She's 11. My goodness, he was four months old. My wife was like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, 
And she's like, I'm serious. And I was like, who's responsible for this? What is happening? You know, she's like, she's like, you're an idiot. And you're right. You're, I am. And so then we had uh, Eli. That poor kid looks just like me, but he's awesome, man. The only reason why my kids are brown are because of my Filipino Mexican wife in Jesus name, because I only get like 13% Hawaiian fam. And it's all right here. All right here in a pinky. You know, it's, it's been so good, though, being on island because I've been able to discover roots. Like, it's really awesome when you can see your family story and your connection because I didn't really grow up knowing that or hearing that uh, in Salinas, California. I didn't know anything about my Hawaiian side. I just thought, oh, yeah, they're from Oahu. Turns out, fam, I got family from, like, the, I got roots in Big Island. Oh, that's awesome. I got a great-great. I get one double great-great-grandpa from Waimea. Trip out, man. Yeah, why, man? Yeah. Oh, get him. Get him. All right. So, so, so we get this one local family names their son after uh, the pastor of Emiola Church there, Lorenzo Lyons and Dwight Baldwin. Yeah, so then you get Lyons Baldwin and my, my family named Nainoa. So just really, really cool because then I moved to Hawaii, like in, in Oahu, and I don't understand anything. So I moved and I got like long hair, you know, that's just luscious, beautiful mane of hair, fam. Now it's all retreating backwards, you know. And I just whip it around, you know. But I was like from California, I'm like, what's going on, guys? Aloha. You know, you know you're, not lo- you're not local, right? Because your shaka's too big, yeah? It's too big. Got to be like, oh, shoo, 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 you know? Barely like you're trying. <laughs> so, so I show up. And then one of my family members, they were like, hey, we're going to hey, come hang out at this family reunion at Iolani Palace. Yeah, you guys know what that is. I don't know what that is. I thought, oh, oh, like what? Like Hilton, like lobby kind, you know? And uh, so I go and dude, it's a sovereignty rally. Like a Hawaiian, everybody's around. I got this big, tall guy. His name is Bula. That's my cousin. That's a real name. (laughs) And Bula looks at me. He's like, oh, hey, who are you? And I was like, um, I'm from the Nainoa family, you know? (laughs) And he's like, okay. So so I'm sitting in this tent and this dude gives me a bowl of kava and he's like, and I was like, "Ah," you know? And then this other guy sits next to me, full face tattoo, fam. Full face tattoo. It's a, hey, everybody say hi to each other. This, this, this brother grabbed my head, put my forehead to his forehead, gave me one honey. Bro, he breathed my heart in. I said, I don't know, you give it back. Give that back to me, bro. What you doing? I just met you today. You know, they're just getting used to it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's so, like, you're just learning all this stuff, but it's so cool because somehow it's connected. Like, there's these relations. I'd be in a staff meeting, in New Hope, Hawaii, Kai. Only Hawaiian at the table. No idea what's going on. You know, because you guys talk in sounds, yeah? You know, you know. Hey, bro, how you doing? You know, I'm like, what you whistling for? And then he, say, he says, you know, bro, you know, bro. And I'm like, no, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. How did your day go? You know? And he's like, oh, man, you know, I got one guy on the staff there, Jay, awesome guy. Couldn't understand a word he's saying, you know. Man, what you do this weekend? Oh, bro, you know, you know the kind. No, I don't know the kind. And, and I went down, you know, to the kind there and, uh, you know, choke people. Yeah, yeah, choke. And I'm like, why are you choking people down 
What are, you, what are you doing, bro? I don't know. No, please talk to me. Like, I understand what you're saying. Oh, fam, it has been amazing learning and growing in that because I'm going to tell you what, Hawaii is home. Amen? Come on, Hawaii. So, and, and I think, I think in the diversity of God's kingdom, in the diversity of the global Jesus-loving family, Hawaii is so unique. The redemptive qualities of Hawaii culture so express the very heart of Jesus. And it has been a super honor to be able to grow and feel like, wow, man, I'm raising my family here. Like, I heard my, my, my kid talk a little pigeon at me the other day. I was like, who are you? You know, he's like, oh, what, dad, you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Who are you, bro? <laughs> <laughs> But it's, you know, it's so important is because family connections, friendship, relationship is really important. It matters. You can make anywhere home. Anywhere. Even places that you don't like geographically can be home if you have the relational connection. You know what I'm saying? Like the friendships and, and those moments, those eye-to-eye -eye and those heart-to-heart -heart moments. In a time right now when a recent survey said that Americans, 49%, so almost half of Americans can only point to three close friends that they have. Three close friends. So in this room, we divide it by half. All of you are, that half is saying, I, I can maybe get one, maybe two, maybe three friends that I can think of. Family, that is not the best. We need people. We need one another. We need connection. Because I would say, even in the last two and a half years to three years, I would say that we have been discipled in distance. A lot of it was because we, didn't, we were trying to respond to this global uh, pandemic that was happening. But then it accelerated trends that already happened in the human heart because we are prone to distance. Even though our heart longs for connection, the ease of being distant, not having to deal with people and their problems or having them know my problems, it's easier to be distant than it is to be close, even though we know that closeness has a greater reward. Amen? Like when you have a friend and you're like, oh, I'm going through this thing and that friend says, oh, me too. Have you ever felt that connection? That, that moment of like, oh my gosh, you actually know what I'm going through too. I mean, this is why we need a church family. Because the church wasn't designed just to be a building to go to. It was a people to belong to. And even now in our cultural moment, when so many things are being scrutinized and criticized, like, like our trust in government, in leadership, in institutions that we would take for granted, yes, even the church is under such a criticism. And it's almost like people are like, yeah, yeah I love Jesus, but I just, I hate the church. You, you probably heard that before. I love Jesus, but I'm not into organized religion. My, my question is always like, would you prefer like disorganized religion? Like, and what does that look like? Is everybody running around crazy? Like, how does it look? And I, I guess I understand what they're saying. Maybe they've been hurt when people, groups of people have forgotten that their, that their purpose was to host the presence of Jesus and intimacy and connection. And maybe, maybe the, the tasks or the programs got more important than the heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know what that feels like. But I'm going to tell you this. If you walked up to me and were like, Pat, I love you, bro. Ha! Man, I love you. Bro, you're, oh, you're awesome. You changed my life. Woo! Man, but I hate your wife. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I, whoa, bro. But I got to say it again. What? <laughs> What'd you say? 
no, 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 you're awesome, bro. You are fantastic. I love it, man. Just said, I just, ah. But your wife, can't. I could do without her. I don't, I don't, you know, I could do it. How long do you think it would take for me to punch you in the lips? You know, I'm like, how, I lose my Christian for like seven seconds, and I'm fast. Wow, you know, I just like, and I, I'm, I'm quick. I can sprint. I'm a natural sprinter. Not long distance, but very fast. I'm just saying, this is what we sound like when we say, Jesus, I love you, but I hate your church. And family, I'm not here to tell you that the church doesn't have problems because there is no perfect church. And the church is often a source of a lot of pain. And I think rightfully so. The Holy Spirit is bringing to the surface things even within our own families and hearts that probably need to get brought to the surface in order for them to be healed. But if we say, Jesus, I love you, but I hate your bride, family, we can't say that and be honest about either of them. Because you and I are the church. It's not a building, it's people. So we are we criticizing ourselves. Family, the church is designed to be a place of power, of healing, of restoration, and wholeness. And it is not a place for perfection, but is present. Because family, if there was a perfect church, you're not invited. Amen. Because <laughs> neither am I. I am not invited to the perfect church because I am far from it. So we're going to answer the question, why do I need a church family? Why do we need a church family? When God's design is for for a reflection of Jesus to be found in the community. You know, in our world, it's so individual. I get my own individual order, my own individual way. I pray to my own Lord and personal Savior, Jesus Christ, and I pray my own personal faith, and I have my own individual way that I like doing it. And we have to remember that our faith is not primarily individual. It is corporate also. Yes, we make a personal profession, but I will never grow into the fullness of my faith, into the fullness of my maturity by myself. While people are often the source of the greatest pain in my life, people are also the source of the greatest healing that I can experience. It's just the way that God designed it. And sometimes I'm like, why did you do that? And then he's like, because I'm God and you're not. And I'm like, okay, fine. It's a short conversation. It's very, it's a short one, little one, small kind. So why do we need, why do we need a church family? Is because we need a place to connect, fam. And I know that seems so simple. You're like, really, this is the guy that's preaching? Yeah, it's that simple. Connection, intimacy, friendship. Early church is our example. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That's friendship. That's connection. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. What's that? They're eating, yeah? Who likes to eat? Who likes to eat? Someone's thinking, I gotta eat. Get in that fellowship hall. They got grinds in there. We'll wrap it up real quick. (laughs) Everyone was filled with awe. Somebody say awe. Ah, that's worship. That is, God is moving in such an incredibly powerful way that we're just like, God, you're amazing. That's worship. Not only that, there was a supernatural signs and wonders. We sang it today. You come in broken, you walk out healed in Jesus' name. That's the God that we serve. They're selling property. They got stuff in common. They're giving to people in need. Every day they're meeting in temple courts. They're meeting in larger groups. And then they're meeting in living rooms. Come on, we need the temple court and we need the living room. We need revival in churches gathered, but we need revival 
revival in our living rooms at home. Amen? Come on, that's what we can, and we have access to it. Every day, this is what they did. They even, they did, he, look, they broke bread in their homes and ate together. They say it two times, family. That's how you know it was a core value. Okay? They say it eight, two times in all of these verses. They ate, and then they prayed, and God was awesome, and it was cool, and then they ate again, just so you didn't forget it. Okay? Eating is a good thing together because we're sharing time and space together. Amen? So they're praising God. All kinds of things are going on. So when we know that it's not just a building, when we know we're not connected to just an event, but we're connected to Jesus, and we're connected with people, what keeps us from connecting? A lot of times it's just busyness. A lot of times it's busy. Now, I come, you know, I live in Honolulu. There's a lot going on oftentimes, but, and people, when I come and visit, I have a, I have a friend, one of our uh, pastoral staff who's retiring. He lives in Honoka'a, and he's like, man, Big Island just really slowed down pace compared to Honolulu, and it's true, but I bet, I bet, Big Island people, I bet we can get just as busy as anywhere else. I bet we can get just as distracted as anyone else who lives in any other place. Why? Because our mind is prone to that. Our hearts are prone to distraction. And so then what? It deteriorates the connection that we have. Sometimes we're overcommitted. Sometimes we're just saying yes to too much. Your kid's in 17 sports. Calm down. He, it, I mean, he's not going to be an Olympic boxer and swimmer and football star and NBA player. Like, like it's, it's, maybe you got the unicorn. Praise Jesus if you got him. Praise you. I'm just saying that we can often be so overcommitted. And then we're like, why? Why can't I keep friendships? Do you remember when friendship was easy? You remember that? Oh, you like Ninja Turtles? I love Ninja Turtles. We're best friends. <laughs> For life. I mean, 30 years deep, bro. 30 years deep over Ninja Turtles. Bro, you like throwing rocks at stuff? I love throwing rocks at stuff. Let's be best friends forever. <laughs> Done. It's easy. Right there. Right there. What happened? What happened in our life that made us so disconnected where even sometimes it's so hard to find connection points? For men specifically, the stat, and it's, it's actually true, it's reflected in this larger study. In 1990, if you were a dude in the room, you probably could point to six close friends that you had. In 2021, if I were asked the same group of dudes, you maybe could scrounge up three friends that you could say were connected. Why? How did that happen? I think sometimes we just got busy. Maybe there's fear. Maybe there's pain. Because I don't want to minimize the fact that people get hurt, even by people who are friends or family, even people we go to church with. They, that stuff happens and it is real. We don't want to minimize it. But I also want to really encourage us that isolation and distance is not the solution to the healing process. It's closeness. It's nearness to Jesus and others. Sometimes there's just a, a fear or sense that we don't need to. Here's what I know is that I wouldn't be here if my mom hadn't just dragged me to church. I'm just telling you right now. My dad... Um, was like an Irish Catholic and barely an Irish Catholic. He, he was an Irish Catholic in the sense that he just said, I'm an Irish Catholic. You know, like, he never went to church. We didn't do that. I remember my dad at house parties getting slammed drunk. Just, he was a happy drunk too. But then I remember when he met Jesus. It was about a year after his cancer diagnosis. He met Jesus and that changed everything. 
That changed everything. All of a sudden, the man that I would see stumbling around in a happy mood because he kicked back one too many green bottles, all of a sudden now he's on his knees lifting his hands to Jesus, worshiping. And as a 10-year-old kid, that really impacted me because at 12, he would die. And the legacy that he left with us is Jesus matters. Now my mom is a single mom, two nutjob boys to raise. And what's she gonna do? She could have easily said, this is too much. She could have isolated. I got I to work. There's just too much. I cannot do it. But I'm going to tell you, that lady drug her kids to church. She just, some, there's a kid in the room that got dragged to church today. <laughs> oh, this message is for you, okay? It's for you. Listen up. I'm telling you, because why? Because it's not just a place. It's not just a discipline. It's not just because mom or grandma or whoever. It's because Jesus is real and he loves you. You know who I met? I met at church. I met Jimmy. Amen. Amen. That connection, right? I met Jimmy. Jimmy was an ex-con, went to San Quentin, tattoos, crazy, toothless, because he smoked so much crack, and he was our youth pastor. <laughs> Oh, that's good. So Jimmy taught me to surf. Jimmy taught me to surf, man. Connection, heart. My mom needed help. She brought us in the building. Jimmy taught me to surf the cold waters of Northern California, man. Monterey Bay, moss landing, cold, dark waters. You don't want to go in there. Cold, too dark. But here's what I knew. I found Jesus. I met Jesus in those moments. And I learned what passion for Jesus looked like from a man who had a very broken past but was restored in Christ. Powerful, powerful. Amen. Come on. My mom kept us in community and connected even when it would have been really, really hard. Look, it's not hard when you lose your husband at 38 years old. and You got two kids, now you got to figure out. You got to figure out life again. And I tell you what, my mom, she did, there was a lot. We had a pretty hectic family life and all the things. But one thing she did, she brought us to the place where she knew. All I know is that we have a better shot of, of, of staying together if we're here in church than if we're not. Second thing we need, why we need a church family is to protect Here's what happened. The new movement in Jerusalem is so powerful, so crazy. They think they've squashed this, this Jesus issue because they killed him, but they didn't. They only opened up the opportunity for Jesus to do what he had planned to do all along. He died for our sins, rose again to demonstrate life over death, his power over sin and destruction, and then he had the audacity to give the Holy Spirit to a bunch of broken, barely teenage adults to go share the gospel all over the world. And they couldn't stamp it out. So two guys, John and Peter, they get arrested because they're preaching the gospel. And they smack them up a bit. They're like, knock it off. Hey, hey, for real, knock it off. Stop preaching Jesus. And they're like, okay, fine. No, 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 they didn't say that. They said, look, we have to do what God has told us to do. We have to listen to God, not to man. So knowing that they were probably gonna get arrested soon, knowing they could get killed just like their leader just got killed, what did they do? They didn't run and hide in isolation. They didn't go back to fishing like they had done before. They went back to their friends. Acts chapter four says they were freed from prison. Peter and John returned to the other believers and they tell them what the priests and elders had said that they threatened them they were getting nuts on them 
when they heard the report, they didn't freak out, which by the way, I'm sure they were all afraid. If you're a human being and your life is being threatened, yeah, you're probably experiencing some degree of fear, some anxiety, some confusion, some why are you doing this, God, because we're doing what you told us to do, so why are these bad things happening? These guys are experiencing everything that you and I experience today. But what did they do? They didn't run in isolation. They engaged in prayer together because they knew that together they could get the courage that they needed. Their prayer is insane. 25 through 30, those verses, why are the nations raging? Because God is in control. And they pray not for suffering to stop. They pray that they would have the boldness and the courage. Someone say courage the courage to stand up against what they knew was coming. They pray for the supernatural to explode out of their lives so that only Jesus would get the credit. This was not a prayer to escape. This was a prayer to engage. Family, I want to encourage you. Some of us might, maybe we've been trying to fight our fight alone. And there are parts of your fight that are impossible to win by yourself. And it is because you, like me, are a broken and imperfect human being. And we require Jesus, we require community often in order to get to the next places of healing or restoration or breakthrough, fam. Even you watching online, I see you. I see you online, bro. Kicking that coffee back. All right. I'm telling you, even you watching that, you need connection. I want to encourage you, find connection. If you're doing, like, however you can do it, find it. But I'm telling you, it's nice in here. They got AC. (laughs) Sometimes that protection looks like a restoration moment protecting the human heart because we struggle. Paul talks about it. When, when you got friends that are in sin or they're experiencing the consequences of their own actions and behavior, don't just discount them or di- like lean in. Just say, hey, I'm here, man. He says, if they're bearing burdens that are too heavy, he doesn't say leave them to figure out. He says, pick up those burdens, carry the burdens with them. That is a mission. Why? Because Jesus did it for us. Our sin was too great, our distance too wide, and only Jesus was the rescue plan. The Bible calls that reconciliation. And the New Testament says that you have that same ministry that Jesus has. So maybe there is a critical conversation that you need courage to have in this week or in this month. And I'm praying to God that you would ask him and those that know you to have the courage to have it. Lean into that. Sometimes it's a straight up correction. Sometimes protection looks like correction. Sometimes it's a word from mom, that old school parenting. Hey, smack, smack, you know, just like, hey, step it up, bro, you know. Like sometimes it's just that word of correction from, from someone, a close person, a, a friend, a parent. I needed those words of correction. I needed that help. But sometimes when we're so distant because we don't want people to, to know our stuff or we don't want people, I don't like tell you, tell me what to do and all the things that we do to distance ourselves, we're missing out on a really important experience. It's Jesus, it's closeness, it's life change. Look, at 20, I needed, I needed to be protected, man. You know why? Because I started, I started dating my, 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 not then wife, but we were dating. And 
She's beautiful. She's amazing. I love her. She's so funny. She's so great. And I'm going to tell you, I just, we had a hard time keeping our hands off each other. I'm trying to do the right thing. You know, we're in a church. We're trying to do the right thing. But I'm going to tell you, it was hard for me to do. So I had to have boundaries. I needed my, my bros to protect me. So I said, hey, if it's 10 o'clock and I'm not at home in the apartment with the bros, if I'm not here, you got to call me because I need to be either driving home or I need to be out because once 10 o'clock hit, the devil was out. <laughs> devil was out. So one night, me and Tara, we're just saying, I love you so Yeah. And then it's just, then ring, ring, 10 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, it's my bros. Oh, shoots. Click, put it in my pocket. That's right. I forwarded the phone call. You ever put up a boundary that you're like, I'm not going to follow that boundary? That was me. That was me. But they didn't leave me alone. They called me again. Forward. No big deal. So now we're in the house. Now everybody's asleep. Now we're in a room. Whoo! Trouble's coming. Trouble's coming. We're just, now we're just, whoo, 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 whoo. Next thing I know, they were just down the road. Next thing I know, there are headlights in the window in the window I was not home so my brothers came for me to protect my heart and her heart and then I hear banging on the window I hear this Pat Pat you gotta get out of there that's what they said 10 15 at night like you gotta get out of there run I was like whoa what's going on I'm telling you I had friends that helped me protect myself because I didn't have the maturity or the character to hold up the value that I really, really wanted to hold. I couldn't do it myself. They helped me. Praise Jesus for those men. Praise Jesus for them. I needed those same kind of men when in the first year of my marriage and I was struggling with pornography, I needed those same kind of men. I needed those men in my life to say, man, how are you doing? Hey, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Wait, wait, what? What's going on? Why? I needed those men to point me in the right direction to, to figure out what was going on in me emotionally and spiritually and what was happening. The grace of my wife was incredible in those seasons. And you better believe, 15 years later, I still need a group of men and women to protect me, to be a guard around me, to help me. Because family, I'm just going to tell you, I might be a pastor of a church, but I do not have all the answers. But here's what I do want to know. I want to know the condition of my heart. I want to know, God, what are you doing in here? Because this is what he's after. He's not after my performance. Amen? Here's the last thing we need. Why do we need a church family? It's this. We need a church family to grow. We need one to grow. Family, once we say yes to Jesus, that's not the only yes we say yes to. We say yes to Jesus. We love him with our whole heart. We're actually inviting him into a lifetime of turning me to look more like him. Amen? Like, I want to look more like Jesus a year from now than I do right now. I got the height thing down. Guaranteed. Guaranteed Jesus was short. Guaranteed. I want to look more like Jesus a year from now, six months from now than I do right now. Even right now, in this, this verse, is the believers devoting themselves to teaching. I want to grow in my discipleship. They, they, they devoted themselves to friendship. They weren't alone. They weren't alone. They didn't live their faith in isolation. They were, they, they, you couldn't be a, a authentically practicing Jew if you practiced by yourself alone. 
You had to experience that in community. That is powerful. There was this sense of worship. I want to grow in corporate worship, and I want to grow in my own personal worship. Sometimes I am just belting out the most off-key stuff in my living room. My kids are like, stop. I'm like, never, okay? I'm just, I'm singing, baby. Worship, but not just that. Sometimes your best worship will be your, your step of obedience to Jesus. Your best worship won't be the song that you sing. It will be your yes to Jesus when he says, do this, son, or do this, daughter, and you do it. Right there is your highest form of worship. Paul says it like this. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices unto the Lord. That is your only act of worship that's worth anything. A total surrender to who Jesus is. Isn't that powerful? Then it's service. Some of us need to get more involved and connected. Start serving in church. When that happens, miracles break forth. In the early church, miracles, that is still, Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is in our DNA. Start serving somewhere, ministering somewhere. Let God so grow in your heart, but you won't do it alone. You have to do it with people. Friendship, even sharing your faith. So, so powerful. I need to grow. Here it is, families. There's a quote that I came across and, and it's so powerful when I read it and it's this. If we, if we look at God himself, we have Father, Son, and who else? Who's the other guy? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That triune God, we call that the Trinity. Within God himself is a friendship. See, within, at the center of the very universe is a friendship. It's a relationship. It's a closeness and an intimacy and a unity that God himself demonstrates. And it's not just for God for all eternity. It's for you. It's for me. Jesus steps onto the scene and he says, I'm inviting you. Will you receive my rescue plan? I'm inviting you into the very center of the universe, into the deepest connection you could possibly imagine. He's inviting you and me into that place. Because church is not a place to go to. It is a people to belong to. And this is why we need a church family. It's why you need a church family. It's why we can't do this alone. See, it doesn't look like a lot. I know. You mean, you mean if I just join that small group and talk about that study thing and somebody asks the questions and we just, we talk story over food, like that's no, it's like whatever. It doesn't seem like much, but it could save your life, family. It could save your life. The simplicity of an honest conversation and the moment of vulnerability when someone says, hey man, how you doing? And you give them the old, oh, shoot, I'm good. But then they stop you and they say, wait a minute, but honestly, bro, like, how are you doing? That moment could change your life and it could change the life of your entire family. That moment could change your marriage. Look, family, we've had, we've had life groups in our church for 20 plus years. And we've had life groups that have been able to, to find friendship. We've also had life groups that struggled. 25 years, nobody really knew what was going on in each other's lives. Family, here's what I know. We get inspired in moments like these, like these gathered services, but we get changed by Jesus in small groups of people. When people know us and we know them, when we look at someone's eyes and they say something that they're dealing with and we can say in our heart,
Me too. Family, it's not a church or a place to go, but it's a people to belong to. Amen? So let's together reflect the the face of Jesus because we can't do it by ourselves. Let's take every weakness and every strength, whatever we got and whatever we don't have, let's bring it to the table, lay it at Jesus' feet. And I promise, the Bible says this, that the world will know us by the love that we have for each other in all of it. Amen? Amen, amen. Let's pray and let's, let's just pray today as we close our service. I wonder if some of us have been really wrestling with the isolation. Maybe it's not, it has nothing to do with the, the, the last two and a half years. Maybe it's just honestly the last month. That sense of, I'm not really connected at church or I really know, I don't really, wouldn't even know my community beyond maybe, I don't know, one or two friends. And I, wanna, I, want, I wonder if the Holy Spirit would be, would be putting a little bit of pressure on that point in your heart and just saying, hey, I'm, I, I, want you to, I want you to lean into the next step. Maybe it's joining a life group or getting more involved at church here. Maybe there's somebody here that's just been really avoiding a hard conversation with like a, one of your kids or, or with your spouse because historically this has been a really contentious and difficult subject. But I wonder if God is actually highlighting, he's saying, it, ask for the help, but I, I want to I lead you through what feels like a valley of darkness. Have that conversation and watch me break through and prepare a table before you in the presence of enemies and of challenges and of difficulty. But maybe, maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life today. Jesus said this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That means that the only rescue plan we have to have connection and growth and protection with God is through Jesus. It's not your family. It's not grandma's faith. It's not your education or your money. And maybe today you're saying, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to lead my life. I don't want to try and lead it myself. I believe you died on that cross. I believe you rose from the dead. And I want to confess my desperate need for you, Jesus. I want you to lead me in a way I've never been led before. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand today. If that's you, amen. I just want you to just lift up as a heart response saying, I need Jesus. Maybe you've never asked him like this before to lead your life, to depend on him. Can we all pray this together? Can we say, Jesus, I believe you're God's son. I believe you died on that cross. Forgive me of my sin. You are the only rescue plan. And I received your gift of grace and life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead my life like never before. Connect me with fellow believers in powerful ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, family. Let's celebrate that moment. Amen. Amen, fam. Oh, God bless you, family. We're so glad you came. Are you glad you came to church today? Come on. Hey, look, maybe you said yes to Jesus in a way you've never said yes to Jesus before. And if you did, 
out those doors in the fellowship hall to the right, you will see a, G, a yes table, and it's got a yes packet in there for you, and it's going to take you through some next steps of what to do now in this walk with Jesus. Hey, there's some other things in there you can check out from getting involved at church and a life group as well, but family, God bless you. Thank you for letting me share today. Have an incredible Sunday, and we'll see you here again next week.